Hello and welcome to Rollins Around Town. I'm Sam Stark. I serve as Vice President of Communications and External Relations here at Rollins College, and we are delighted to be back in the studio hosting Rollins Around Town. Took the summer off uh, with our students, and uh, it's truly uh, awesome to be back here in Kathleen W. Rollins Hall at WPRK Studio. Rollins Around Town is a showcase of our outstanding people who make dynamic and important contributions to the Rollins campus and throughout Central Florida. In both cases, these are difference makers who uplift the mission and brand of Rollins and who help make our region a special place to live, learn, and work. Today, I am delighted to welcome Dr. John Sinclair, the John M. Tiedke Professor of Music, Chair of the Music Faculty, and the Artistic Director and Conductor of the Bach Festival Society of Winter Park. To say that John is one of Rollins' most iconic and well-known figures in his profession and throughout town would be an understatement. So, John, thank you so much, and welcome to Rollins Around Town. Thank you for having me. Fun to be here. So, just start a little bit, you know, sort of the quick version, if you would. John, where did you grow up, and how did you get to Rollins College? Well, I grew up in Independence, Missouri, um, uh, near Kansas City. And I uh, went to school uh, throughout that area, ended up teaching public school for a few years, uh, ended up in Texas teaching college, and came here to Rollins a long time ago. <laughs> I was kind of recruited by Thad Seymour, and my first year was the fall of 1985. That's fantastic. I, I, I know there's a good story behind Thad recruiting you. Can, can, you shared it, I think, sure. with me once. Can you share that? I'd love to. Uh, I, I was interviewing for various schools. And um, Rollins was in the consideration. And I got a phone call from uh, President Seymour. And uh, it was a pretty, pretty short one, but he said, John, Rollins is the kind of place that an individual can make a difference. Your faculty committee thinks that you could help build a department of music. And John Tiki likes the idea of you with the Bach Festival. Um, uh, we'd like you to consider coming to Rollins because you can make a difference here. And, you, and I thought, boy, a college president picking up the phone and calling a lowly assistant <laughs> professor, you should pay some attention to that place. That's fantastic. And, of course, if you ever knew Thad Seymour, he was persuasive. Yes. And uh, that made my decision. That's fantastic. God, that's awesome. Well, it does. Knowing knowing Thad and having him uh, be my first president when I was here as a student, uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. So um, he, he's, he's one of the best. Tell us a little bit about the music department here uh, and sort of what the profile is, a little bit about the amazing faculty and uh, artists in residence that you have here. Boy, I'm a lucky person. I'm, I'm blessed to work with colleagues that I have. Um, I've been chair for so many years that uh, most of the people were, I was on the search committee for. And my defining goal was we, we're professors, so it means that we should be able to do what we profess. And so if we, if we hire a pianist, they should be a world-class pianist. And if we hire a singer, they should be a world-class singer. Now, of course, they have to love to teach because that's our mission. But that's really where we are, is that everyone in our faculty does well what they profess they do. And they're all active performers, uh, composers, they're engaged with our students. It is a very vibrant department, and it's vibrant because you remember that we're the, we're the department of Fred Rogers. And at <laughs> the beginning of the year, 
I remind everyone that that's our ethos. Everything in this building is about being rigorous and, and hard work, but it's also about civility. Mm-hmm. And I think our students and our faculty live up to that. And we are just a very active department. Pre-COVID, at the end of the year, I had counted that we did 106 concerts that wow. year before. Now we're a little bit down because of COVID, but we still are actively with all of our ensembles working and we have a full schedule of concerts this year. And we stream everything now too. So share a little bit about the diversity and the variety of those concerts. Oh, they're all over the place and that's on purpose too. Um, you know, we're, we're, we, like every other department of music, uh, we do a lot of classical music, but we also have a wonderful jazz program with Chuck Archard. Um, contemporary music, uh, vocal music with uh, Professor Jamie Ray. Uh, also, um, uh, active piano program, lots of recitals. Uh, just last spring, even with COVID, we had over 40-some junior and senior recitals. Mm. Uh, lots of choral concerts, um, wind, wind ensemble. We have a, a good orchestra. So it's, uh, they are truly all over the place and lots of recitals. And if you go to the Rollins Department of Music website, you could get an active reading of what's happening. And like I said, almost all of our programs are streamed. So you can sit at home and watch them too. That's brilliant. Tell us about your work, you know, and the work of the department to recruit students, right? Like in a lot of ways, the the music department recruits super talented students who might go elsewhere, uh, like 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 an athlete, student athlete. You kind of have the same world that you live in, right? In in higher ed uh, admissions and recruitment. Thank you. It it is very similar. As a matter of fact, uh, President Cornwell. Uh, one time as I walked in his office, he called me coach. And, <laughs> and I actually considered that a compliment uh, because that's exactly what we do. Um, we recruit our students one at a time. And m- it's been a little awkward with COVID, but it's very common to see us in high schools or working with various groups or bringing high school kids to campus. Um, almost everyone who steps their foot in as a first-year student I have met their family members. They've been in my office. I know them by name. Our whole faculty knows them by name by the first week. Mm-hmm. So we truly look at them a lot like probably an athletic coach would here. Mm-hmm. We're about bringing in uh, first-class musical talent who also are good thinkers and good scholars. Nice. And, and interesting that we value the scholarship and how well they do in the other classes is that their music scholarships – Retaining their music scholarships not only depends on doing well in the music department, you have to academically do well in all your other classes. So we expect them to be a really good musical scholar. Music's a pretty broad term. You know, if I'm a singer, if I'm a music writer, if I'm a a, a play a musical instrument, um, Rollins is for me. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, One of the, the the great things is that we can offer a lot what the big big schools do but we can also drill down and find that individual talent and really hone that individual talent and can spend a lot of time. For example, in a big school, you might take one course in conducting. Maybe if you are extra active, you might take a second. Well, at Rollins, you might take your first course in conducting, but we offer a practicum. So every student studies with me the rest of their time here Mm -hmm. every semester. And they're required to conduct in a concert every every semester. Uh, I never did that when I was an undergraduate. Uh, although I, my professors knew that I was very interested in conducting, I never conducted in a concert as an undergraduate, and our students do it every semester. That's amazing. 
you know, I, I looked over the the music department um, uh, website and, and to see the faculty, and there's certainly some new blood, which is awesome and amazing and exciting. Uh, but there's also a handful of you that have been here. Like, what what keeps John Sinclair and others here at Rollins in the music department? Uh, I think that we recognize the collegial spirit that we have in our department. Uh, and I also think that we are so engaged with our students and we know them individually as, as, as people as well as uh, just students. Uh, you're right. We have a lot of longevity in our department, um, and um, we like it that way. And we are we're very careful in selecting our faculty. <laughs> And they t- tend to stay. That's I mean, amazing. Dr. Gloria Cook, Dr. Dan Crozier, on and on. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I could go through the whole lineup, Professor Ray, Professor Archer, Professor Ruse, Dr. Moore, Dr. Grau. I mean, uh, Dan Flick, he just goes on and on. Yeah. And they are very – to show you their dedication, during COVID, we met every week to talk about how we best facilitate the education for our students. And we didn't have just a few barriers up between <sighs> us. We had 45 seven-foot screens, so we worked constantly through that. Still to this day, we are constantly engaged with each other's classes. And it's nothing unusual for uh, one of the other professors to say, hey, I know you know a lot about this subject. Come in and talk to my class. So we That's truly right. are not territorial about the students. We realize they're Rollins students and Rollins musicians. And our job is to do the finest education we can for them and to enrich their lives. And if they we do this correctly, it enriches the lives of the college and certainly the community. Yeah, no doubt. How, how has the music curriculum changed uh, since, since you got here? It's changed considerably because of the technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, we now offer music technology courses. Uh, Chuck Archer teaches a wonderful music and business class. Uh, we have to be conscious you know, this sounds way too simple, and I'm afraid it brings out my Midwestern roots maybe <laughs> maybe too too, uh, too much and transparently for everyone to see. But I think you spell higher education, H-I-G-H-E-R, and also H-I-R-E. And, and we expect the students to be able to, when they graduate from us, be ready to go to a first-class graduate school, be ready to to go into the profession making music, going into the public school classroom or classrooms, and or just really being entrepreneurial. Yeah. And we are just thrilled with seeing what our graduates are doing out there. Yeah. Uh, the best is yet to come because we were a really young department. When I first came here, we had six majors. And um, to give you a perspective that we have considerably more, I haven't looked at the exact number for this year, but we graduated 39 last spring, to give you an idea. So we uh, we are probably somewhere 130 to 150, yep. and they're active. Every student has to be active. Well, I, I don't tell many people this, and um, it's one of my regrets is not taking a music course when I was at Rollins. Uh, just didn't do it for whatever reason, and uh, I, I, you know, obviously watching your career and uh, thinking that I had the opportunity to learn, you know, right at. Uh, uh, in in your classroom is a is a big disappointment. So well, you can always come and hang out. All right, you just come <laughs> and do come that. out. You're you're welcome. Just don't grade me. Uh, we don't. No I, worries. Just okay. come come and hang out. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about some of your work specifically outside of the classroom, and and a lot of this actually is uh, sort of co curricular. I mm-hmm. guess you know it's it's part in and, and part out. <laughs> T- tell us a little bit about your role with the Bach Festival. How that 
started? Did that come with the, the job when you first came? Did that emerge a little bit later? And, and tell us a little bit about the Bach Festival Society Winter Park. Well, the Bach Festival Winter Park is, a, is, I always say, it's kind of where the performing arts, classical music kind of began in Central Florida. Uh, we're in our 87th season, I believe. And uh, 1935, they decided they would commemorate the 250th anniversary of, of uh, Bach's birth. Thought it was a great idea, then they, it just started, and it kept going for all those many years. It was founded at Rollins and then became a private 5013C organization. And for many, many years, for 52 years, John Tiki was its president. Hamilton Holt, the president, turned it over to him, and he ran with it. Uh, this is my 32nd season, so I wasn't, <sighs> when I first came, I wasn't uh, with the Bach Festival. However, it was one of the really things that certainly attracted me here. And I was um, somewhat promised, or I was promised, that I do the Bach Festival Conductor. And it took a little longer to get there than I thought. I have a great story on that. So um, the, the person who preceded me was wise and got a long-term contract from Mr. Tiki, unbeknownst to me. So <laughs> and maybe I, unbeknownst to that. Yeah. Worth the time too. <laughs> yes, and so here I am. Uh, and my, I didn't expect to do it my first year or second year. Here I am the third year, and there was not happening, fourth year. So I decided, well, maybe this is not the place. I'm enjoying my time at Rollins. So I went and got a couple of job offers, and I get called for lunch by Hugh McCain. So I'm sitting over at La Belvarier on Park Avenue with, with Dr. McCain. And he said, rumor has it that you were looking for a job. I said, well, you know, I, I love my work with the college, but I'm a conductor and I really want to work at this level. And he said, well, you know, the Bach Festival will be here soon. I said, well, I guess I'm a little impatient. You know, I, I, I know I'm Still not very old, but I'm kind of impatient to get with my career. He said, it'll be yours next year. And I said, how can you promise that, Dr. McCain? He said, John Tiki promised it to me. And he said, he keeps his word. So you need to stay and, and take the Bach Vessel job. Well, indeed, next few months later, I get a call from John Tiki, and it wasn't like, um, do you want to be the conductor of the Bach Vessel? It was, okay, it's yours now. <laughs> It's time. That's great. And so that's how it kind of started. And with kind of icons of, uh, you know, Dr. McCain and Mr. Tiki, you just couldn't get uh, two more uh, powerful and wonderful men. I, I, I still remember that Dr. McCain was maybe the best conversationalist I ever spoke with. It was just an amazing conversations when you talked with him. Yeah. That he probably warrants a show at some point about about you know, his impact on Rollins and and the town. John Tiki, we did have Philip Tiki on oh, yeah. on the program, um, and tell us a little bit about you know he he told us a, a bit about his dad, but <clears throat> you know sort of from your seat, which you kind of just did. But how important was and is Philip uh, or uh, John Tiki to to the legacy of Bach and and the music department at Rollins? Well, he's everything to the legacy of the Bach Festival. Uh, he took the organization when uh, they thought it was going to uh, disappear, and Hamilton Holt said, well, someone, if this is worth saving, one of you needs to take it. John tells the story that he raised his hand and said, okay, I'll take it for a couple years. And that was his, that was his, uh, his baby. Uh, so he was crucial in willing its success on into the future. You, you couldn't quite underestimate uh, or, or, I mean, overestimate what he meant to this organization. Uh, and, uh, and now, of course, the Tiki family continues on in its legacy. Yeah. So um, 
the organization for me to answer the rest of your question, uh, having been with it a lot of years, it too has has changed. Used to be was one weekend in February. Then we uh, then before I got there, added a concert in the fall and the spring. Well, then now we have to do co- double concerts. We really are almost a year-round organization uh, where we do not two concerts at festival or time or three. We do three weeks worth right. uh, when we get to February. And then, of course, a big concerts at fall and spring. We do a Fourth of July. We do a Christmas in the park. And then we do these uh, big Christmas concerts. We were really pleased uh, two years ago that the – it was PBS picked it up and did American Public TV, yep. and they picked up our Christmas concert. And I understand it was in 48 states. Yes. So it was really pretty cool. I had friends from all of the country mm-hmm. calling. And um, and people always ask me, so what did you do different than you did on your regular Christmas concerts? And the answer was really simple. We put flowers out. That's all we did. <laughs> That's all you did. We cha- no change in tunes, no change in anything we did. That's we just great. put some... Pretty poinsettias out. That was it. Well, listen, that'll do it. That's it. <laughs> so the flowers is why it happened. <laughs> That's right. Poinsettias matter at the holidays. Yeah. Talk about the involvement and the engagement of students and even <clears throat> faculty. You know, with uh, with the Bach Festival. You know, the Bach, the college is really lucky, and and the um, Department of Music is really lucky to have an organization like the Bach Festival in house. Uh, although they're two private organizations, it is. No understatement to say that the Bach Festival would not thrive if it were not for Rollins College. Yes. Uh, and it is such a great training ground. Uh, our students get to hear not only some of the greatest artists of our times, hear the great pianists, the Emmanuel Axe and, the, and uh, uh, Andre Watts, all the great pianists come through, all the great artists come through. We do a wonderful fine art series. And that informs how you perform your art. And then our faculty, of course, also perform with the Bach Festival. And there you will not see a Bach Festival concert that you don't have students see students making music, too. I think that this semester there are around 30 students singing with the Bach Festival Choir. And our mm-hmm. best orchestral players get to set in with a professional orchestra. Wow. Um, it, is a, it is almost like having an in-house laboratory to see how a professional organization works. That's fantastic. Tell us a little bit about the upcoming season and the events. I know with COVID and some of the rules and regulations we have on campus and, and in town makes it very hard for, for you know, to, to hit capacities like you normally do. But tell us a little bit about the Bach Festival upcoming season. Well, it, you're right. It is a challenge, but I, I absolutely admire uh, the stance the college has in trying to uh, mitigate this, this difficult time. And so uh, even though it is a challenge for us, it's the right thing to do. And so it does put a little bit of crink in our plans. Uh, we have an organ brass concert coming up, and which we'll have to repeat so as to get uh, only 50 in attendance at each one. Uh, we may have to move to the location of some of our concerts, but we have a beautiful fall concert with the music of Mozart and Samuel Barber. Oh, by the way, who visited Rollins quite often because his aunt and uncle uh, taught on the faculty for a while. And um, uh, world-class composer Morton Lordson. We have the group Voces 8, who is maybe the hottest classical a cappella group in the world right now, and they will be on our series. Uh, classic Christmas concerts, Christmas in the Park, and then we get to festival. And festival, we're opening with a, um, um, a program of spiritual spaces, which I like to think is just letting great music wash through you. There's no applause. It just goes solid music uh, throughout the program. We host some recitals, but the big concerts are 
uh, Olga Kern, one of the greatest pianists of our time, uh, doing the Greek Piano Concerto, and uh, also Mendelssohn's Elijah, maybe one of the biggest tour de forces pieces mm. for, for choirs and orchestra, a Mozart Requiem, and a Beethoven Choral Fantasy with Dr. Cook on uh, playing the piano solo, and then an evening of all box music. And then, that, then of course, there's their insights and sounds that uh, includes not only the brass concert, but a, an African-American composer's night and a music and evening in Brahms. Um, one of my, as a recovering trumpet player, I didn't say that, <laughs> I was a trumpet player through school. Um, and uh, there's a, a woman that is from, I believe she's Norwegian, just makes trumpet playing look way too easy. And she's our get one of our guest artists, phenomenal artist. Uh, and then we're combining forces with Bethune-Cookman and doing a program of Nathaniel Detsy ordering a Moses. And then a um, social justice piece um, uh, it's called The Last, Seven Last Words of the Unarmed, which talks about the treatment of African-Americans in our society. And we'll be doing that, performing that with Bethune-Cookman, and we're excited about that program. That's and then lots of other little programs around, but that kind of gives you the bulk of the yeah. of the season. Where can people learn more about these events and all the ongoing programming that the Bach Festival does? We have a good website, bachfestivalflorida.org, and that will tell you all about tickets and all about the events and the dates and the times, and uh, also gives you a lot of history. It's really a fun website to... Uh, to visit. Yeah, that's and great. So, so yeah. Any, any, you know, I'm going to move on to a couple other things. Anything else you want to share about Bach Festival? I don't want to make sure we don't miss anything. No, it's a, it's a great organization. It's it been is. around a, a long time. It, it continues to be uh, vibrant. As a matter of fact, I always say that our seats are reserved, but we're not necessarily. <laughs> and so uh, we want to always be out there, although we do predominantly classical music, we do uh, important music of our time. We are also not afraid of new music. Uh, it is a vibrant organization that um, should make it another 87 years. Here, here. One of the other great events that, uh, that you help lead in the community is called Songs of the Season. Uh, it's about three years old now, maybe four, I can't even remember, but it's an amazing collaboration between Rollins and Full Sail University and the Dr. Phillips uh, Performing Arts Center. Can you share what that uh, program is about. Uh, yes. You know, for years we've done and we continue to do a Rollins Vespers, and I think this might be the 88th or 89th annual fest Vespers. But we also decided that, and with the leadership of our president, Cornwell, uh, that, that we needed to maybe expand more into uh, Central Florida and particularly into Orlando. Uh, and so we combined forces with those other two uh, great organizations and do a kind of a more, what would be the right word? You know, as soon as I say the word hip, it means I'm not. I, I understand that. But it's certainly more current and more right. lively. And it's, instead of a, having an orchestra, it's kind of an orchestra with a, with a band sound. It's, yeah. it's really engaging. It's fun charts. Chuck Archer wrote, wrote most of the charts. Uh, Dan Flick coordinates most of the efforts. Uh, and I, uh, I'm just lucky enough to be a part of it and prepare choirs and and the group for it, and uh, it's it's a it's a it's a fun show. Yeah, uh, and and this one is a show, and you just come out uh, to Dr. Phillips now in the front yard, which is a great place to watch it. Yeah, and um, listen to great holiday uh, holiday tunes. I I've always said that that as soon as we get through this COVID, we might be able to move this in and record this because I watch all these other colleges around the country their Christmas from their various colleges, and I think. 
they're not half as <laughs> they're not half as interesting as what we do. I mean, you can only stand there in robes so long, right. and so this is actually kind of fun and interesting. And so I, I have always. I always think that's great fun. It is. Uh, December 3rd uh, this year, uh, it's a Friday night at 7 o'clock at the uh, Dr. Phillips Performing Arts Center, the front yard uh, venue that they've so brilliantly uh, created for uh, for health and safety during COVID. Uh, check it out. It's uh, it's truly a great show. It's a very small ticket price, um, yeah. and uh, the music and the talent is great. And I think what I love about it, aside from just the, the great quality of music, is the collaboration, right? Like I do too. Rollins couldn't do this in this setting without the amazing work and talent and production equipment and experience of Full Sail. And we would never have that public of a venue and and vice versa. All of those other schools get the benefit of world-class talent and conducting and and music uh, creation. So It's a great collaboration with Full Sail and and Dr. Phil's, but Full Sail has such amazing resources for, for sound technology. I always say that they bring all that skill and we bring talent. That's right. And and the combination is wonderful. And I should tell you, they're great to work with. We yeah. just we have a wonderful relationship with them. And we oftentimes throughout the year um, brings bring students out to the their studios so their students can practice on us and our students can practice on what it likes to be in in yeah. a studio. It's a it's just exactly what you would like to see of a town and gown or two organizations and entities of education coordinating and cooperating. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It is. You mentioned the Vespers, um, you know, that's another one of the most iconic, um, holiday performances in town. Um, can, you know, sort of share your thoughts on, on the Vespers? Well, it's going to be fun this year because you're going to get to see our versatility right up front because a Friday night, the third, we're down singing a whole different concert. And then on Saturday and Sunday, we're into Vespers. So, so we just immediately switch gears yep. and put on our uh, take off the the popular jazz rock jeans and go right <laughs> over to the classical jeans the next day. And we kind of expect our students to be able to do that because a working musician has to be versatile. You you can't do one style unless you're unless you're like a very kind of specialized performer, but. Right. But yeah, the Vespers have been going a long time, and it's. Um, I haven't done that since my whole time here. Uh, I got called in uh, to Rita Bornstein, and the enrollment had kind of, or the following in the community had kind of dropped from that. And I remember getting a call from President Bornstein saying, you know, John, the attendance is not so good in this. I need you to take this over. And I responded, well, Professor Bornstein, you know, I, I've got other things I do at that season. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm out at Epcot quite most nights, yeah, and I'm doing other that. things. And um, uh, she said, yeah, but this is important, and the community expects a first-class show, and we have a concert, and I need you to take it over. And I said, yes, uh, Madam President. <laughs> Don't and, say no to me. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yes, Madam that. President, <laughs> and here we are. So, but I've been doing it, to sound like I haven't done it for a long time, I guess maybe 25 years of that. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's – um, it's, you know, there's several uh, programs that always speak holidays to me. Uh, the Bach Festival Christmas in the Park with the Morris Museum in the city always speaks to me. Yes. And Vespers always speaks to me. Um, and now Songs of the Season does. So yeah. I have kind of three favorites I get to go to. Amazing. You, you mentioned the uh, uh, candlelight processional at Epcot that you, you served as the conductor. Yeah. I don't know if that's even an ongoing yeah. thing. and. Uh, that's well, a pretty big, that's a kind of a big deal. It goes on for 
a couple of weeks leading up to yeah, through a the month, whole month. Yeah, um, it, it started. <clears throat> it started off kind of funny. Is that I got a call uh, to go out and talk to the music people, and they asked me if I'd be interested in conducting candlelight processional. And I asked, "What's candlelight processional?" And they explained to me, and I said, "Well, that's exactly what I do: orchestra with choir." And they said, "We know. We came and heard your Verdi Requiem. We we scouted you." And um, <clears throat> so at the end of the conversation. They said, now, you know, you'll have to shave your mustache and beard. This was back pre where anyone could have facial hair. And I remember looking at him kind of stunned. I said, now, I was just filling in for the weekend for someone. So I was going to be a Friday, Saturday, Sunday concert. And I said, you mean you want me to shave for the weekend? And, and they said, well, we don't allow facial hair in the front of the park. And so I thought for just a second, and I said, boy, I'd sure love to do this, guys, but I'm, it's not that I covet this beard, but, you know, maybe, maybe we, uh, well, I don't think I want to do this if I have to shave. <laughs> so there was silence, and we Fantastic. shook hands and left. And, and then about, oh, maybe two weeks later, I get a call from Rich Taylor, who was a VP for all entertainment of Walt Disney Corporation. John, this is Rich Taylor. Hello, Mr. Taylor. said, um, <laughs> um, how would you like to be a consultant for Walt Disney World? And I said, I'd love to, but what does a consultant do for you? And he said, Big silence. He said he keeps his beard. <laughs> That's fantastic. And and so all those years, so I was out there, and it was such a big deal that I remember in my second year or, or so, Michael Eisner came out to watch the show along with, get this, Julie Andrews. Oh my! And I'm norm- I'm rarely not starstruck, uh, but she came up and introduced herself, and I thought, like you're introducing yourself <laughs> to me. Come on. That's- and and uh, and so afterwards, the producer came up and said. Eisner likes the beard. It looks like a costume. So I've, I've done that for a long time. Uh, of course, we didn't do them last year. However, they broadcast the one that I recorded the year before with Neil Patrick Harris, yeah. which is great fun. So um, I've gotten to meet lots of really wonderful celebrities and that I've worked with year after year after year. I think I've worked with Neil Patrick Harris maybe a dozen years. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg is many. Um, and so it gets kind of fun. And um, there's several conductors. I can't do them all. I do a, a fair share of them. But over the years, um, I think there's four of us that, that do them now. That's so uh, cool. But my first one back, whenever they decide to do it, and I'm I'm ready to start, but I'm we, we got to wait and see what the yeah. COVID situation. My first one back will be my 937th wow. concert for Disney. That's amazing. It doesn't speak to intelligence, but it does speak to durability. Indeed. Listen, I'll, I'll take durability right now. Um, that's awesome. What a great program. And if people have a chance to go out there when the time is right and under the right circumstances, they should definitely get it's, to Epcot. It's a, fa- it's a fabulous concert. Disney knows how to do it. You yeah. Know? So, you know, most people know about the Mr. Rogers sculpture that will be unveiled on campus in late October. Um, it's been a, in the makings for well over a year, and it'll be this new iconic <clears throat> sculpture that'll go between our chapel and, and the Annie Russell Theater. Um, you probably more than anyone on campus knew uh, both Fred and Joanne. Um, can can you share a favorite story or memory about you know uh, about those two and uh, their impact on your life and career? Boy, boy, they they are such amazing people. Uh, the person who would know him better than me on campus would be Dan Crozier, who's the nephew. Yes. And and Dr. Glory Cook was equally as as uh, good of a friend or maybe uh, with him as, as myself. But they were dear people. And they – I met Fred uh, – President Bornstein was out of town, asked me to introduce Fred for one of his speeches here. 
So at the end of the speech, I said, welcome back to your neighborhood, Mr. Rogers. Well, at the introduction, the next day I had one of the telltale cards put underneath my door, said, let's have lunch. And we became fast friends. And uh, we would talk, um, we'd have lunch every time he was in town. We would, um, we would talk regularly. I went up to their 50th wedding anniversary mm-hmm. party. And it, was, it was quite a delight. And Joanne was every bit, she was spirited. I mean, she was mm-hmm. fun. Uh, there was, anytime you were with Joanne, the room got brighter. And it was, it was very exciting. Fred had this uncanny ability to know just what to say at the right time and especially with children my maybe one of my favorite stories was involving epcot and fred so they were coming in town right after christmas they spent much of january here for many years and so i said said, invited fred to come out to the park so i got backstage clearance of course and he wanted to come the night that lavar burton was talking because they knew each other from pbs right so we get him backstage, Gail, my wife, um, uh, as I call her, the good Dr. Sinclair, brought them backstage, and I was rehearsing the students over in the choir, in the tent. <clears throat> so Fred asked Gail, what's going on in the tent? So Gail sa- said, he's probably warming up the choir. Fred said, you think I could go? Sure. So LeVar Burton had just been in the tent a few minutes before and said hello to the students. Here comes Fred. Can you imagine how 300 high school kids went ballistic when Mr. Rogers walked into the tent? It was the most amazing sound. I don't know if I've ever heard anything quite that loud. Hmm. And, of course, Fred knew exactly what to do. He walked to the microphone, started singing, Won't You Be My Neighbor? And every kid joined in. Yeah. And then at the end, he said, Sing well, my dears. Well, after the concert, uh, I took him backstage to visit with LeVar Burton. And I happened to just take a picture of LeVar and Fred. Well, Fred passed away a year or so later. And when I saw LeVar Burton out at Epcot a couple years after that, I gave him a copy of the picture. And tears welled up in his eyes and flowed down his cheeks. And he said, this was my hero. And I didn't have a picture with him. And he's since, when he came here to Rollins to talk at the Winter Park Institute, uh, LeVar Burton uh, showed a picture of that picture on his desk. Oh, that's so great. Uh, And so the impact of Fred is so profound on on the world. And man, do we need a Fred Rogers right now. Right. With that civility and that ultimate kindness, um, he he had such a genuinely sweet heart. And and, uh, the thing that people don't know him, if you only know him from TV, first of all, he was very much like that on TV. Uh, He was at the house one night for a party, and I looked at Joy and said, where's Fred? He said, he's probably with your kids. Find your kids. That's where he is. I did. My, right. my, my young children were, they were on his knee and they were making faces and talking. And, and I said, Fred, you're off duty. And he looked at me and said, I always love children more than adults. Yeah. And he was, he was the real deal. But what you didn't know about Fred was the wicked, funny sense of humor. <laughs> and uh, he would show up at our house and have face-making contests with the kids. That's great. Or just, just always engage. Would call my kids just to say hello to them. Uh, I'd come home and say, did we get a call? Yeah, Mr. Rogers called. What did, do you know I'm supposed to call him back? Uh, and I'd call Fred the next day and he'd say, no, I just called to talk to Taylor and Katie. <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah, uh, was... so it, it was just one of the most amazing insights. It shows, it showed just, you know, 
how being a genuine person and how being kind truly, truly can change the world. How right. one person can change the world. Yeah. And his influence is felt everywhere. I, when I was uh, my senior year, I happened to be the student government president, and it was when um, Rita honored him with a, a stone in the Walk of Fame. And so oh, this yeah. was probably 1990. Mm-hmm. I remember that. And I got to pick him up at the airport. Oh, how fun. He left a message on my you know, voice recorder with a tape player. And uh, I, I regret not keeping that tape, but um, spent, you know, a good hour with him. And that was sort of my recollection was, he's the real deal. Like, he's this isn't just deal. a little TV act. Like, this guy, that, that's no. all he is. It's just a, a wonderfully charming, caring, kind man. That's I, it. I, you know, I, I tell the story that my son ran up to him. This is when Power Rangers were a big deal. <laughs> and to show you how Fred could react to something immediately, my son went up to him and made some sort of Power Ranger pose. And Fred said, what is that? He said, it's a Power Ranger. Well, t- Fred always talked to children by getting down at their level. And he got That's down right. on his knee and looked in Taylor and pointed to his, his chest and said, you know, the power is really inside of you. Now, I'm th- just to make that transition, <laughs> to tell that life's parable and story, that's the Fred I knew. Yeah. Well, it'll be a special day when that sculpture gets uh, unveiled, and um, I think it'll be nice for a lot of us just to be able to wander down there and to see it. It's amazing. I'm looking forward to most days getting to visit Fred to get get inspired. Yeah, indeed. So last two questions, which I ask all sort of Rollins campus guests, which is what's your favorite spot on campus to, <clears throat> to get away? Maybe I know what it will be after October, but um, any place that you just sort of wander off and decompress on campus? Oh, that's a great – I have several places, but – I have to tell you that I spend a lot of time in the chapel, and um, <clears throat> especially during the pandemic when everything was kind of closed down and, and all, I would go over in the chapel and stand on the stairs and steps all by myself and sing. Mm-hmm. I just thought the room had to keep warmed up, and there's been so much great music and so many great things happen in that facility, in that beautiful building. Yeah, And... Um, Sometimes after rehearsals, when it's quiet, I can sit there and just absorb the room. I also love so many other places on campus. It's such a gorgeous yeah. campus. Uh, I, I always walk by when Fred took me on his tour and showed me his life is for service and pulled that out of his wallet. I love to walk over there. I love the archways. I love the lake view. I mean, yeah. but I go over and find some solace in the chapel. I love it. So my final question is if you were president for a day. Oh, you don't want to go there. Come on. Yeah, um, yeah I guess you can decline to answer, but if, what would President Sinclair do for, for 24 hours in the, in the seat at Warren Administration Building? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I never even thought of that. Uh, I would probably prepare for the impeachment of me by the end of that day. <laughs> that's, uh, that's so that, that would probably be it. Uh, you know, I'm a musician. There'd be music in every building. There'd be groups everywhere. There'd be, they would be so tired of music coming at them that that they would be glad to get rid of me. So we would have music everywhere. I like it. That's a good day under President Sinclair. John, I can't thank you enough for joining us on Rollins Around Town. Really appreciate um, your amazing talents and contributions to Rollins in Central Florida. A special shout out. You mentioned the uh, the good doctor, uh, Gail Sinclair, who uh, is a 
colleague of ours in, in many ways and really the founder of the Winter Park Institute and did an amazing job leading that for so, so many years. So uh, thanks to both of you for all you've done for Rollins. And yeah. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Great fun. Thanks. A special thanks to Angel, uh, our third-year student here at Rollins, who is uh, operating the board and serving as a marketing assistant for the show the entire year. You'll see his amazing work uh, on our social media uh, platform. So follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Rollins Around Town and subscribe to our podcast, Rollins Around Town, on Apple, Google, and Spotify. So with that, I wish you all a great day, and thanks for being with us.